God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome back to Oh How Marvelous, where today we'll be talking about the movie Captain Marvel, which is the second movie chronologically in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I do apologize for the static that is in the background. I do hope on later this year purchasing a good podcast mic. So expecting good quality sound um, coming sometime this year. So hopefully that will be a thing. First, I would like to talk about my theater experience, which I don't really recall um, my theater experience. I do remember that I did go see it in theaters which was only a few weeks after it came out. But along with everybody else, I was super hyped to watch Endgame because that was the big movie coming up. Um, And so I just wanted to um, just see that movie. But of course, I knew that Captain Marvel was going to be in it. It would be our first appearance in it ever since her origin story come out so they obviously needed an origin story for her that way it makes sense for her to come in and we'd know what exactly her powers are and the significance of it and so on and so forth um, now I did have the chance to see it in theaters when I went to visit my sister and brother-in-law up in Indiana um, when it was in theaters because uh, they invited me but I was like I'll pass for now because I was about to go see a couple of my friends at a sister school of mine. And I went to a school in South Carolina where I'm from and still live. But I was going to visit that week um, some friends of mine at a sister school up in Indiana. Just a couple hours from my sister's house. Um, so I thought that I might have had the chance to see it with them. Which I did not. So... I saw it when I got back home sometime after that. And I did enjoy the film. I just didn't really understand the arguments that it was a very big female power movie. Honestly, I could have seen all that stuff happening to any man. Really. Uh, A man could have easily have gotten the Tesseract powers, I guess you could call it, um... And it could easily have been a man's origin story. And I'm not talking about the part where society was telling her she's too weak for all this loudy dog. Because, honestly, it was kind of a sexist time back then. But what I'm talking about is um, being used as a pawn. uh, Because Jan Rog just saw the opportunity to manipulate her towards the Kree uh, agenda. And so I think that it could have still been a man's origin story. He could have still gotten the thing whose powers could have been taken advantage of by the wrong side. 
and who could have just been manipulated by that same wrong side. Um, so I don't understand how the arguments for um, it being a women empowerment movie could hold ground, although I can understand where they're coming from with that. Um, there's certainly those moments where that does take place, but I think what people don't understand there is that you could still easily, aside from those societal pushbacks on the character, that that could have easily been a man's story as well. Now, some things that really helped me enjoy the film. First of all, I really love the soundtrack. I think 90s had some underappreciated music going on. Um, I actually listen to some of the soundtrack on a regular basis as part of my playlist. Um, it's really good. Um, Only Happy When It Rains is a good song. I enjoy it musically. Um, as a music nerd, I just enjoy that general genre. Um, not necessarily because of the messages, but just because of how I like the groove of the music, you know? It's like when you're listening to a song for the first time and you really like it. Uh, you're just grooving to the music. And then years later, you actually start to pay attention to the lyrics. And you're like, wow, this is not the best lyrics, but I'm going to continue grooving to the music anyway because the music is fantastic. Uh, that's me with these um, songs a lot of the times. Um, I may not necessarily agree with the message most of the times, but the music is pretty dang good. And now for my favorites list. My favorite character was Fury. It was really cool seeing um, what he was like just as a regular old agent and how he became the director. Sure, we got a hint of that in The Winter Soldier with Alexander Pierce saying, I'm the one who put him in that position. But it was really cool seeing how Fury got there. And I will say the one dislike I have with this film is how Fury lost his eye. We had all this hype up to this moment of like, how did he lose his eye? It had to be some sort of really cool way. Um, although it's hilarious, I think it would have been so much better had he lost an eye uh, being tortured or in a fight or something like that. Plus, they de-aged him pretty well for, what, like 30-year difference? I really loved Fury um, in this movie. And my favorite scene also involves Fury. Um, it's the point where, at this point in the movie, uh, we know her as Veers. And so, Veers is trying to um, test Fury to see if he's one of the scrolls. And I really love when he has to go into detail about his life. He's like, okay, if a piece of toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. I just really loved how she just brought that out of him. He immediately figured out she didn't need to know that. So it was just a funny scene. I really loved that. And my favorite quote was one of the more serious ones. Uh, it's where she's fighting Yon Rog at the very end of the movie, right before she sends him back to the Supreme Intelligence. And she says, I don't have anything to prove to you. And I'll get into why that is my favorite quote later. Um, so that is it for my analysis of the movie in general. So we're going to move on to a devotional piece and the biblical side of this thing. So 
I will first read from the devotional itself, and then um, I will talk about it further. It says, Captain Marvel is physically one of the most powerful women in the MCU. She is also one of the most powerful characters overall. We got to know her in her solo movie before her appearance in Endgame. Her story is one of rediscovering her past while dealing with her present. In the end, she finds herself in a great position to fight for what's right. If there was just one character which she would relate to in the Bible, it would be Esther. Esther was a common Jew living in the kingdom of Persia. The king was looking for a new wife and decreed that beautiful young virgins be brought before him so that he may take one of them to be the new queen. In the end, Esther was chosen. Now Haman, one of the king's officials, had plotted to kill the Jews, and no one but Esther and Mordecai, her relative, knew that she was a Jew. Eventually, Esther found herself in a tight spot. Mordecai encouraged her, saying, Who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for such a time as this? Esther 4.14 She eventually unveils this plot before the king in the presence of Haman. The king has Haman put to death, and the threat to the Jews is ceased. Both Captain Marvel and Esther were given the power, in one way or another, to stand for what is right. When faced with an issue in which they wanted to see justice done, they did not back down in doing so. But there is a great detail to take note of. Each of them found a way to use the very system that facilitated the injustice to fight back against it. Esther respectfully revealed Haman's plot to the king. Captain Marvel sent Yonrog back with a message for the supreme intelligence. We also have seen the face of injustice. What injustice or injustices do you want to see resolved? How has God positioned you to fight against this injustice? What are some ways that you can fight this while showing respect for all involved and see justice done? How have you been unjust? How can you make it right? And that's the reading. Now I would read the entire book of Esther for you guys, but that would take a while. And I just really encourage you to do that on your own, just so you can get some full context for the devotional there. So, the main point of this devotional was to really put yourself in the place of Esther and even Haman, or even the king of Persia in this instance. Like, imagine this story from each of their perspectives, even Mordecai. Esther was there. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to handle it. She didn't even let the king know that she was a Jew. Um, but then Mordecai is like, hey, God's got your back, basically. Um, Mordecai was seeing this happen, and he served as Esther's encouragement to do what was right. The king was in a position of power. He had secrets being beholden from him. Um, and if he knew what was going on, he would have done something about it. So that was Esther's job in this instance, to bring that to him. But Haman, he knew all along that he was doing something wrong. And so sometimes it takes us to look at ourselves as these different characters within the stories to see how are we doing something that's wrong against someone else. And it's so much harder to see that than it is for us to see the injustices that are done against us. Um, I think it's only fair that we 
look within ourselves first to see what injustices we're doing to others before trying to resolve the injustices that are being done against us. Um, and I think that we'll be more effective in resolving those injustices because it will give us grace um, before those people to be like, hey, I've done injustices too, and I resolved those. And you know what? It might bring you to a place of forgiveness too. Because in the process of making right the wrongs that you've done to others in the past, you might come to find out that that's the exact same thing that is happening to you. Um, and so, as a reminder, we are all sinners in need of God and His mercy and grace because uh, He is the only perfect, worthy person being worthy of our worship for that. And so, all this being said, I really encourage you to first look within yourself and see what injustices you've done to others and then try to resolve the injustices that others have done to you. Um, just go and forgive and be forgiven, but be forgiven first because it'll help you approach with humility the person who's done an injustice to you. And now one other biblical theme I found within this film, and it's a big one, is deception. Um, John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jan Rog, played by Jude Law, uh, does a really good job at this with deception, with deceiving uh, Carol, um, who we first know as Veers in this movie. He does this well because he partially says these little bits of truth within these big paragraphs that are lies. And to give you a couple examples, uh, one comes from the beginning of the movie and the other comes from the end of the movie. The first example is when she is fighting Yon Rog on Hala after she can't sleep uh, because of her dreams. And she's trying to use her powers to fight him, but he tries to alleviate it by telling her that she might be her own enemy and that her powers might turn against her or something like that. At least that's what he's trying to tell her. And in a way, in the end, that kind of had a double meaning of she's currently for the Kree, but she really used to work alongside a Kree trader who was trying to help the scrolls, um, and so she might figure that out and turn back to the side that she was originally on. And so the devil is very deceitful in this. He uses these little truths uh, namely quoting scripture, as uh, mentioned when Jesus is in the wilderness in Mark 2. And it's like the same thing with Jesus and Satan in the wilderness. Satan's tempting him three times, quoting scripture even. But you know what Jesus does? He quotes scripture back to him within the context, really. Because really, whenever Satan quotes scripture, he's using it out of context to help people follow him. But really when Jesus is quoting scripture, it is within the context. And it trumps whatever Satan had to say to him. It just proves how deceitful Satan was in that moment. And that is why it's important to understand context within scripture. Um, and this is how we 
test what is said to us? Does it stand well against Scripture? Um, are there little bits of truth within a big lie? And conversely, are there little bits of lies within a big truth? It's like a yin-yang type situation. It's very important to pull out the good from the bad, even if the bad does outweigh the good. And back to the scene that's at play here with Jan Rog and Veers fighting. And he tells her to hold back whenever she tries to use her powers that were given to her by the Tesseract. And in some instances, that would be good advice. For instance, if someone is in a very angry mood and just wants to lash out, to tell them to calm down would alleviate the situation and help them to not do something that they would regret later on, whether it's a year from now, 10 years from now, 10 minutes from now. But here, it's not good advice because really, he's just trying to keep her from understanding the true nature of her power and that really, he's holding her back and that he's deceiving her. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that we can be angry, but in our anger to not sin. And so the second example that I would like to talk about is at the end of the film, where it goes back to my favorite quote earlier, where she says, I don't have anything to prove to you. Now, yes, we do have to intellectually understand theology and why we know what we know, why we believe what we believe about God, and why we decide to call ourselves Christians. It's important to know that. But honestly, we do not understand the fullness of the power of God. We do not need to prove that to someone else. Let God, in His wisdom, do that for us. Um, it'll be so much easier, and God knows what He's doing so it's best to let him prove his power to the enemy. And so I think that does it for Captain Marvel. If you want to join the Discord, please feel free to email me at mcudevos at gmail.com or if you have a way of getting in contact with me otherwise, I will be sure to hear from you there and we'll send you the invite link. And I would love to have you there. I'd love to be able to chat with you. Um, pray for you. Um, that would be completely awesome. I'd love to be able to be a part of the body of believers with you. That is all for Captain Marvel. Next time, we will cover the movie that started this whole MCU shebang, Iron Man on Oh How Marvelous.